Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Beyond the Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Babuda, here with co host Alex Boudreau. Uh, today, we decided to drop a surprise episode on you guys um, because we just had Bobby Bacala um, from The Sopranos on, on the show, Steve Sharipa, his real name. He's in Blue Bloods now. Uh, does a lot of, what is the hell you say, philanthropic? Philanthropy work. A lot of philanthropy work. Philanthropic. I think that was the word I was looking Works for. With a few charities. A few charities. Um, tells us a little bit about some funny stories he had when he was booking talent in Vegas. Um, tells us a hilarious story about an interview he did with Eric Andre on the Eric Andre show. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, talk about some of his books, some of all this shit he's got going on. Uh, we're excited to bring it to you. So, uh, Bruce, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Recording! Out of New York City, New York, welcome to the Undisputed Greatest Podcast in the World, Beyond the Brand! So, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Um... Big Sopranos fans here, so it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. But, uh, Steve, take us a little bit through um, growing up uh, in, in Brooklyn and a little bit how you got into – ended up, up out in Vegas and working at the Riviera Hotel. Uh, you know, I grew up in Bensonhurst. I went to Brooklyn College. I played basketball there. I tried out for this team, uh, uh, an Israeli team. And uh, they wanted me to work on a kibbutz. I didn't want to do that. So I, uh, a friend of mine had moved to Vegas, so I went out there. You know, I, I had nothing going on here. So I hopped in the car. I went out there, and I uh, stayed there for 25 years, you know. And I, I, I delivered pizza out there. I became a bouncer in a bunch of the nightclubs. That was a maitre d'. Then I became the executive director at the Riviera. I was booking a lot of acts. Uh, a couple of comics put me in some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of got the acting bug, started taking some lessons, uh, working with somebody, uh, started picking up bit parts kind of as a hobby. You know, I really didn't have any aspirations to uh, be an actor. You know, I had a good job. I was, you know, I had a wife and two kids. I started picking up some bit parts here and there. And then, uh, you know, I started thinking, well, if I try harder, will I get more? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, slowly, you know, I started, I was in fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I was in Detroit rock city. I was in uh, King of Queens, Chicago hope, you know, I was starting to get some stuff. And then I came to New York for a wedding. I auditioned and, uh, you know, yeah, so acting was never something that you thought saw on the horizon. It was just something. What about being around entertainment with you being the director out there at the Riviera? Is that something you saw all these guys? No. No? Never? Just fell into that. I was a bouncer. I met a lot of celebrities and shit, you know. Uh, uh, you know, they were the two big nightclubs. That was before Vegas had nightclubs. They didn't have nightclubs in the, in the casinos back then. Yeah. You know, they were standalone places. A lot of celebrities came in, so I got to, you know, meet Sinatra and all kinds of people, man. You know, boxers and all kinds of shit. And uh, uh, and then I just got the job at the hotel, 
which I really wanted. It was a good job. It was making, you know, quite a bit of money at the time. And then I met all these comics. Every comic has worked for me for the most part back then, you know, from Bill Maher to Ellen to Rosie O'Donnell to Dennis Leary to Richard Belzer to, uh, shit, I could go on and on, man. Drew Carey, Ray Romano, Kevin James, Jackie Martling, you know. We had a uh, we had a uh, comedian on the other day, uh, Mike Marino. He's based out of he's from New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I think I think he worked for me. Yeah, I'm he's spoken a few times. We mentioned that we were getting you on uh, this week, but yeah. So, I mean, you probably I mean, like you said, like, what, do you have any crazy stories from that? Like back then, Vegas must have been nuts. I mean, just like it is now. But what was it like, like being around all those guys? Some were assholes. Some were nice guys. You know, uh, Mike was a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the most part, they were okay. You know, uh, you know, usually guys, the more successful they are, uh, they're usually better. Yeah. Some of the smaller guys, you know, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of them guys back then had uh, problems, drinking, alcohol problems. You know, if you had four comics a week, uh, some of them had one or two of them had a problem. Uh, but for the most part, it was good. It was a good gig. You get to Vegas for a week, you get free food, see the other shows. I give them drink tickets. The same guys work for me. If you gave me a hard time, you were gone. You never come back, you know. Uh, Joe Rogan worked for me. Yeah. Uh, ah, shit. I mean, I can't even think. Uh, Rob Schneider, David Spade, George Lopez, you know, uh, and then uh, a lot of music acts, you know, but they were kind of little dated acts, the Beach Boys, and then we had Dion. I mean, great acts, but, you know, we had, it was an older kind of crowd, so it was like people past their prime, and most of them were okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I remember Freddie Boom Boom Cannon, you don't know, Palisades Park, a Jersey guy. He was a jackass, a fucking jackass. <laughs> uh, he's still around. He almost got it for me. He He, he was born. Bothering every every employee. Some guys would come in and they could be the most polite guys. And then there were some guys that just bothered everyone from the beginning, from the front desk to the waitress to the maid. They just can't help themselves, yeah. uh, you know. And, and I don't know. There's a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot in yeah. show business. They just cannot help themselves. Uh, he was one, uh, you know, Paulie Shaw worked for me a lot. He was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Paulie's okay. Paulie's Paulie. But for the most part, everybody was okay. But, you know, once in a while you had to straighten a guy out, you know, get rid of them, fire them, you know. There was lounge acts. There was some asshole four in the morning. I Back then you had beepers. I mean, I have a cell phone now still, but. Uh, I mean, I have a flip phone, but uh, you had a beeper three in the morning. Some guys pissing in the in the lounge, like pissing <laughs> on the curtain. You know, I also dealt with female impersonators. Really? You know? So you had that. Then you had a topless show. So it's funny. Uh, you had a topless show called Crazy Girls. Them girls walking around topless. You know, after a while, it's no big deal. You got to go backstage. I mean, it literally is like no big deal. And then. I remember going upstairs, a female impersonator. I'm walking by the room. Guy, a guy, he's got fake tits, and he goes, oh! he was horrified that I saw him. He went, oh, my God. 
Do <laughs> you really think I want to look at your tits? I got a whole bunch. There's a dozen girls outstairs. <laughs> I can only imagine, imagine the shit you'd see out there, especially like working on all that. But What's that? I said I can only imagine the shit you would see out there. That- yeah, yeah. There was, uh, you know, it was fun. Fun times in Vegas. A lot of fun, you know. And then you, you know, got to meet, you know, some really good people. A lot of people. Uh, like I said, I met Sinatra numerous times. I was at his house once. Uh, uh, you know, I worked. I worked for Paul Anker for a while, and the, uh, uh, a lot of the boxers. Sugar Ray Leonard was always there. Uh, Jerry Cooney, uh, Ray Mancini. I mean, I was at a lot of those fights in the '80s. You know, out of all a lot of those big fights. Out of all those guys, who was like the biggest partier that you saw back in the day? You had to take care of partier. You know, I think back then they all were, man. Uh, you know, everybody was having a good time. Larry Holmes was training. I mean, you know, they were out. You know, I worked at the nightclub. It, I worked one at night to nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I would leave at 9 a.m., the dance floor was packed. <laughs> packed. I believe it, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so back in those days it was, I mean, maybe it still goes on. I don't think so as much, but. You know, all the fighters would come into town. That's when, you know, uh, before UFC, all these fighters would come in. They would all be out in the nightclubs if they were training in town. Like I said, Jerry Cooney, Larry Holmes, Tyson was always around. Remember Leon Spinks? Yeah. Leon Spinks was, he left the club about 7 in the morning and he had a fight at the Aladdin like at 3 in the afternoon. (laughs) <laughs> and he won. <laughs> so there was a lot going on, you know, a lot. There was a, It was only 350,000 people lived in the town then. It was much smaller. A lot of people knew each other then. You know, it was uh, different. You know, then you had to, you know, it was still mobbed up in those days. Uh, from Casino, the Pesci character, Tony Spalaccio was a friend of mine. He was around. Those guys were always around. Nice guys, as far as I saw. Did you draw a lot of inspiration from those guys as an actor? Inspiration? Yeah, like when you were playing like the, the mafioso roles, did you draw any inspiration from them? You know, I grew up around a lot of those guys, you know. Back then in Brooklyn, Bensonhurst, there was a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just going on. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know about inspiration, but I kind of knew that world. They were everywhere, you know. I mean, they were they living on your block. They were your baseball coach. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what they did, you know. Uh, back then, uh, not so much anymore, Benson Hurst, but at one time in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, even 80s, that was a big mob uh, enclave. I think even into the 90s, you know. Now it's changed a lot, the neighborhood, you know. So you talk about all these nice guys you met, not so nice guys, then you landed a role with the casino. Um, how is it working with Robert De Niro alongside? I don't like De Niro. You yeah, already know that. That's why you're asking me. Yeah. Uh, De Niro was very rude to me. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. I'm not a Robert De Niro fan. Wow. Let's put it that way. He was extremely rude. I don't care for him. Wow. Great actor, rude guy. You say hello to him, he's stuck for an answer. Wow. There you go. Wow. Now, take us a little bit through... Uh, how you ended up on The Sopranos and, and, and a little bit about how you became like a main, main character. I was reading a little bit about the story online. Well, I came here for a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, I came here for a wedding. And uh, uh, 
I came back to New York. I was uh, a friend of mine was getting married. I ex I, I had an agent helping me. I said, see if you could get me to read for the show. For you know, I really wasn't even that familiar with the show to be honest. And I went uptown and I auditioned for the role of an FBI agent uh, that uh, Louis Lombardi got uh, Skip Lapari. And then she gave me this. She said, I don't see you as that. Read this. And I read the role of Bacala. I came back a week later and I got the role. And the first year I, uh, I commuted on my own dime. It cost me about 24 grand. I made about 22 grand. And I flew back and forth, put myself up. And uh, then uh, they made me a series regular, you know. And then as the show went on, they just they gave me more and more material, you know. And it worked out all right. So my role got bigger and bigger. I married Janice. Suddenly I was part of the family. So uh, it just grew, you know, it just grew. Just, you I, know, luck. There was a season one, obviously, before you came on. But was it – did you know – or how big was it after that season one? Did you know how big it was going to catapult your career? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I just flying blind, man, you know. Yeah. Uh, did my best. I worked with someone the entire time, acting coach in the East Village. I would work with him a lot. And, uh, and then I did a bunch of other stuff. You know, I knew when it was over uh, that it was not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew during The Sopranos, I, uh, you know, I've got my limitations. Uh, I'm not going to play an English professor. I'm not going to get lost in a role like, Christian Bale, you know, who's a different guy every time. So I wrote books. I've written six books. I turned one into a movie, Nicky Deuce, which you have five Sopranos in that. Uh, I was a correspondent for Jay Leno. I did over 40 uh, pieces for him. I I did all kinds. I hosted a show with Beth Stern, Howard's wife, for three years on Spike. I created shows for Discovery. I knew that once it was over, you know, it was not going to be easy. And luckily I, I landed a secret life of the American teenager for five years. And now I've been on blue bloods for five years. So for the last 20 years at knock on wood, I've worked steady, but uh, I'm just flying blind all the time. You know, just, I, I have something in my head that I want to do Uh and not take everything that comes along, you know. I, 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 I'm lucky I don't have to do that, so I, I try not to, you know. Uh, I don't want to hurt the, uh, you know. I, I don't think you're going to do uh, mob movies much better than The Sopranos, you know. So, but how so I've stayed away from almost all of that, you know. Yeah. So how was is, how is Nicky Deuce getting that, the whole crew back together too? And then obviously That was great. Or, One know, of my favorite things I've ever done. Uh, it took me seven years to make it. I sold it in, I think, 2005 to Nickelodeon. It went through uh, three different sets of screenwriters, nine scripts. Uh, Jim did it for me. Yep. Uh, Michael Imperioli. Have you seen the movie? I did, yeah. But that's how I was at. Yeah. I was at you get all the guys it's a good the movie. It's funny. You had Vince Corotola. You had Michael. You had Tony Sirico. I mean, we had a ball doing it. We were up in Montreal. I was there for two months. And, you know, they, we weren't all up there together at the same time. But it was fantastic. I, one of the favorite things I've ever done, you know. And Nickelodeon chopped up the movie. It was longer and could have been much better. But, you know, Nickelodeon, uh, 
you know, I don't know, whatever. But uh, I was happy we got it done. You know, it's it's a it's a funny movie. The scene with Jim makes me laugh. I haven't seen it in years, but every time I watched it, it made me laugh. You know, that's awesome. But I have one question about The Sopranos. I saw you did an interview about that uh, something in in regards to James Gandolfini, but. You talked about the scene where you put the dildo on your head to make him laugh. He talked. He walked us through that. Not on my head. Not on my head. I twirled it around. It's a big one, like three feet, like that. And I just twirled it like this. And when he's off camera, then when I'm off camera, and then you see him laughing in that scene where he's pouring the drink and he falls over. Yeah, that's yeah. what he's laughing about. And you could almost see Uncle Junior, Dominic Kraken. Yeah. Almost so that, see him. That was like a genuine laugh on his part. Oh, absolutely. I was like seven in the morning, seven thirty in the morning, and he already had seen me uh, in the costume, you know, the Elmer Fudd outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he already had seen the Elmer Fudd. So I had to try to make him laugh. So I went to the the prop guy. I said, "You got any dildos? You got something to make this guy laugh?" He had about twenty five of them. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing with twenty five dildos. Ask him why he had those. Yeah. So. You know, so that's what you see in the, in, the, in the shot. You know, that's what I'm doing while the camera's not on me. Were you ever worried of, like, getting whacked early on in the film? Of course. Did you I have, like, a backup plan? My backup plan, as soon as I made some money, I paid my house off in Las Vegas. Okay. I had a big house on an acre of land that I had built. And the first thing I did was pay the house off. Because I figured if all else fails, they're going to kill me. I'll go back to Vegas and figure out the next move. At the time, I had also owned a talent agency. I was booking comics and bands and uh, a couple casinos. All, you know, for many years, while I was doing The Sopranos, I had a partner. He would handle one part. I would handle the other. So I guess I would have done that. Uh, we were doing pretty well with it. And... uh that was the backup plan, man, to pay the house off. I luckily, it didn't it didn't matter because I made it to almost to the end. But that was it. I didn't buy a place here until the show was over. Wow. Wow. I was afraid it was a, a real a real concern yeah. that you were going to get killed. Yeah. yeah. So as we wind down here, Steve, uh, just kind of take <laughs> us through some of the stuff. You, I mean, you mentioned some of the books you wrote. Uh, do you have any plans to write any more? What's next for you acting-wise? Any other endeavors you got going on outside? I know you started that, that sauce uh, company a few years back. Yeah, that we went out of business. We grew too fast. We yeah. were in 3,000 stores. Mm -hmm. Sauce is great. I still have some left. But uh, that went out of business. It's a shame. About a year ago, mm -hmm. we tried. You know, My partner had gotten sick, and he didn't want to go any further. But you know, it's a really good sauce. It's all organic. You know, it wasn't about the product. It's just, it's tough out there. They're the real mob yeah. trying to deal with these stores and with these distributors. They, they shake you down. So that went out of business. I've been on Blue Bloods. We hopefully, uh, we get back to work soon for season 11. I've done 76 episodes, way more than the Sopranos. We toured with a show called Conversation with the Sopranos. Last year we did, uh, Australia. Uh, Atlantic City, Foxes, we've done a whole bunch of dates. Uh, we had a 16-city tour, which was almost sold out, uh, in the UK, Scotland, uh, Ireland. We were supposed to start at May 12th, uh, start in Glasgow, and that all got wiped out. We have some dates in August, 
probably going to get canceled. So we do the show. It's me, Michael, and Vinny Pastor. We have a comic, Joey Cola, so sometimes Rob McNutty, and they uh, they open the show. And then we show some slides. We do question and answer, and then we take uh, questions from the audience. In uh, Australia, we were doing 2,000 people a show. It was crazy. People hanging off the ceiling, man. Uh, the show's worldwide, so it's amazing. And, and now the podcast, which uh, uh, Talking Sopranos, you know, it's on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we have over, between audio and video, I believe over 700 downloads, and it's about three and a half weeks, 700,000 downloads. Uh, people seem to like it. Uh, it's episode five. Uh uh, episode six, David Chase wrote us some new dialogue for uh, the cast, uh, Tony and Carmela and Bobby and Chris and Paulie, uh, and he gave that to us to read on the air. So this Monday, I don't know when this is airing, but Monday, uh, episode six, we'll be reading that. The first time, new dialogue for Soprano characters. Wow. David Chase wrote it, was nice enough to give to us. Uh that's it right now. I mean, I'm not, right now, unless I have some idea for the books, I, you know, I put that on hold and see what's next. Yeah. I, uh, I don't I'd know. I'd love to talk about how uncomfortable it was being on the Eric Andre show. You know, it was uncomfortable. I knew what I was getting into, kind of, but we never spoke before. Yeah. Uh, I had to go to L.A., uh, believe it or not, so they flew me out first class and put me up and I had to go there for some meetings. So that's kind of why I did it. Uh, and I had seen some of his crazy stuff. I never met him. I, and I only met him there. I only said hello to him like when it was over. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was nine in the morning. It was a cloud of weed, you know, smoking weed. They had all kinds of liquor. <laughs> oh, I mean, I had a full bar in my room, beer on ice. It was 9 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> no one spoke to me before. No one, nothing. You know, we're just going to interview. First of all, there's no band there, you know. I don't know if you know that. So if you watch the show, he puts, there's nothing there. Uh, <laughs> he's got the heat, uh, the air conditioner shut off. So you're sweating like a pig. That's so I don't care who you are. <laughs> sweating like a pig. Yeah. Uh, the interview was 45 minutes. You saw three minutes of it. Uh, no one ever said what we were going to do. They had guys come in to mic me. Okay. And then there was a guy like shadowing saying, well, this is how you do it. He was showing a guy how to do it. Right. Went out there. Hannibal, I know a little bit. Hannibal Burris, I knew him a little bit. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's funny, uh, Eric. He's crazy. He stunk like a billy goat. I'm not kidding <laughs> you. Absolutely stunk. And he kept giving me the walnuts and the ice cubes. He was fucking annoying me. <laughs> I'm starting to get annoyed because I'm sweating. He's annoying me. Uh, then they have the guy running naked. He dipped his uh, his balls and cock in the fucking sauce. That wasn't supposed to happen. I didn't even bring the sauce. I didn't bring the sauce. They had that on their own. 
And then I was, and the guy was running around naked. And, and I was saying, your mother must be really proud of you. Wow, this is great. You went to college for this? So you don't see any of that. I'm fucking cursing him out. I'm cursing Eric out. I was afraid the guy was going to sneak up behind me and put his balls on my shoulder. That's what I was afraid of. Because I kept looking. I kept looking, right? And uh, there's no band. They put the bands in later. And then at one point, which they cut out, they said, hang on, we got there's something wrong with your mic. Hang on. And the guy that was shadowing started trying to grab my balls. And I had to fight him off like that. Get the fuck out of here. I pushed him out of the fucking way. And, uh, so I know. So, I mean, I got, the, I got the joke. It was funny, but it was annoying. And at the end, it was, you know, I, I did have a good time. It was fun just to be crazy. Uh, and then you know, I just hugged him at the end. I mean, he smelled so fucking bad. But at the end, we hugged and shook hands and that's, I never even really said anything more to him than when we were being interviewed. So you've got, you've that was never, it. You've never seen him once and spoke to him once since the whole 45 minutes? <laughs> no, nothing. Wow. No, never had a real conversation. 45 minutes, we just talked with the mic and you know, saw, and then I, I finally got annoyed. I, I mean, I wasn't really mad, but I was kind of annoyed, so I, I threw the fucking chair over and he fell <laughs> out of it. Oh, but... Uh, I see that shit he does, you know, with someone, he he uh, put the rats on the floor. Did you see that? There was a, a, a girl he was interviewed, I forget who it was, and he had like three rats at her feet. And if he would have did that to me, oh, I would have fucking had to fucking have <laughs> on. Of course, I'm not, uh, I'm not into mice or rats, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather fight Shaq than deal <laughs> with a mouse. He, he's a ball. You know? Yeah, no. but uh, he does well. He's funny. He's got a lot of a lot of people have seen that. I mean, people stop me all the time, but they say, "Was that set up? Did you know nothing? I didn't have to talk to anybody. My publishers booked it. We went on, went on. Like I said, there was a cloud of weed. That was it. That's awesome. That's so. I awesome. guess he just smokes all day while he was doing it. <laughs> it's it's funny. He goes to the band and he keeps calling over to the band. The band is they must hire the band for a day or two to do all of them, you know. That is so funny. It's a low budget affair. Yeah. That is awesome. So you do you do a lot of work for a charity, including the Lollipop Kids Foundation and Master of Ceremonies. Can you walk us yeah, through? Yeah, I've done a bunch of stuff. I do a lot of stuff with the Garden of Dreams, uh, with the Madison Square Garden. I've hosted that uh for three times and Great comics, uh, Garden. It's uh, Garden of Laughs. You know, uh, all the money goes to kids, underprivileged kids, uh, kids in the tri-state area. Jim Dolan uh, puts a lot of money into that. I mean, it's a really good organization. Every dollar goes where it goes. Yeah. I mean, we've had on the show over the years Ray Romano, Seinfeld a couple times, Chris Rock, Tracy Morgan, Bill Burr, Brian Regan, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. And it's like a privilege and an honor that I go up and I do my little four or five minute monologue and then bring the acts on. And uh, John Stewart, I mean, and we've raised millions of dollars and it's every other year. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to do that. Lollipop is another good one. Kids that are in the hospital, they bring movies to. Uh, I've been involved with that. I try to help out when I can. I can't do them all. 
Yeah. You know, but I, I try to help out when I can. If if I think it's a worthy thing where the money goes where it's supposed to, you know, there's a lot of charities. Uh, and, you know, you find out later the CEO's making, you know, 700 grand a year and you're going, and why the fuck did I do that? You know, uh, but these things that I pick and choose, all the money goes where it's supposed to, you know, so I, I'm selective. But, yes, I help out whenever I can. That's awesome. Love that. That's great. Um, all right, Steve, we don't want to take What else do you want to ask? I want to ask you a little bit about, we had Lilo Roncato on. Yeah. Uh, and I, we I don't really know. I don't really know Lilo. He's a nice kid. I don't really know him. He's a really good guy. Uh, uh, you know, what he did, he, what he did, I'm not even going to get into that. But the times I've met him, he's a good guy. Yeah. All right, man. We uh, really appreciate you guys. Yeah, really appreciate your time coming on. Uh, Stay safe out there with all that's going on, and we're looking forward to seeing you do some good stuff in the future. Take care, man. Nice talking to you guys. Good luck. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.